1: Welcome back. South of the border. Protests continued for the eighth night last night with only sporadic reports of looting overnight. In Philadelphia, protesters took down a statue of a former mayor, That was criticized as a symbol of racism. And this after a day marked by criticism from religious leaders condemning the use of tear gas to disperse peaceful protesters to make way for Donald Trump's church photo op. Take a listen to what it sounded like.
2: My message to treat us like American citizens, to treat us like we matter. To treat us like you're actually here to protect and serve.
1: Okay, so this morning, Defense Secretary Mark Esper said he does not want active duty troops used on the streets of American cities to quell protests. His statement is at odds with President Trump's statements. So, uh, is this crisis sparked by the murder of George Floyd? beginning to abate. We'd like to hear from you as well, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 Right now, we're going to talk to Dr. Ronald Shuren, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Connecticut, and Bradley Palumbo, Opinion Columnist for the Washington Examiner and Contributor at the Post-Millennial. Welcome, Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, let's start with uh, Bradley. You are on the ground in Washington. Tell us what it's like. What's the feeling there?
2: It's been a surreal experience, to be honest, to have five minutes down the street from my apartment, buildings being looted and and rioting and cars being burnt uh, and mobs harassing and robbing Fox News journalists on air. Uh, It has been a very surreal experience to be in Washington, D.C., or any major American city during this time of of unrest. Uh, And I think it's very concerning because what we've really seen is a peaceful protest. You know, it's impossible to know the numbers, but you've got to know that 80, 90, 95 percent of the people out protesting, at least during the daytime, are peaceful protesters with a just cause. I mean, everybody knows that George Floyd did not deserve to die at the hands of the police like that. Uh, But we've really seen radical groups from Antifa and in a few cases, some white supremacist far-right groups sneak into these protests and help turn them into riots where anarchy is happening on the streets, right, rioting and looting and burning uh, they burned down a police department in a few cities. So that's why the military is being brought in in some instances, or the National Guard. But it does look like this is abating, and we've actually seen the curfew start to be rolled back in D.C. starting today. So that's a sign that it is abating.
1: Dr. Sherin, what's your view of uh, where these protests are at right now?
3: Well, I think we're in vehement agreement on the counterproductive nature of the protests uh, turning into riots uh, and, and the lawlessness, it, it, it brings me back to some memories of, of my own younger years in the late 60s when I was, in fact, tear-gassed in front of the White House in 1969. Uh, whether that those protests um, turned violent or were, were turned by people who had malevolent intent, uh, we, we'll never really know. The question is what do we do now to remove not just the immediate effects of this this horrendous violence but the conditions that make it happen.
1: Okay, I'd like to bring in Dr. Michael okay. Flamm, a professor of history at Ohio Wesleyan University. Thanks for joining us as well, Dr. Flamm. My pleasure. Uh, so, where do you think we're at right now? Are the protests starting to abate? And where do you see American public opinion at? Is it divided, or uh, is there a widespread condemnation of of the president, frankly, and and the the fact that peaceful protests were dispersed for his photo op?
4: Uh, well, we live in divisive times, so. I think it's safe to say the american people are deeply divided on this issue as many others Um, and undoubtedly it will become partisan fodder as has uh, even wearing masks uh, during the uh, pandemic Um, i do just want to interject a brief comment here Um, it's really i think important to remember that the people who uh, participate in uh, protests or demonstrations or whatever follows they generally fall into three groups there are those who have uh, legitimate political grievances and want to express them peacefully, they tend to come out first. Um, then they're followed by the uh, the curious uh, bystanders and onlookers who want to simply see what's happening. And then last, there's a group that comes out generally under the cover of dark uh, that wants to burn, loot, destroy. Um, but it's important not to conflate these three groups together. Um, the police response to these three groups needs to be different and uh, public attitudes towards these three groups and what they're trying to accomplish also needs to be different.
1: And do you think it is?
4: No, I think unfortunately uh, we tend to lump them all together uh, and uh, too often we make general statements either in favor of or against what's happening without really looking at the details on the ground.
1: Bradley Palumbo how do you think the police actions are being viewed i mean we're we're watching this from another country and we kind of see on the one hand we see uh, very aggressive actions on the other hand we see uh, police officers taking a knee with protesters uh, how how is the police being viewed
2: So it's an interesting phenomenon because you have basically divergent examples of police behavior. You know, there's viral videos going on of police uh, running people over with cars, of police uh, shooting journalists with rubber bullets unprovoked while they're airing. A CNN anchor, an African-American man, was arrested for no reason and not even told why he was being arrested by the police in Minneapolis.
1: Oh, but that was, time, I, both... I have to just interject. I mean, that was, I, I mean, to, to say that that was a, a stupid thing to do on the part of the police, but it, it was, um, it was quite something to watch that.
2: It was, but I also don't want to, those things tend to grab the headlines and go viral. But we've also seen many instances of police, policemen um, arresting rioters and looters, but praying with the protesters or showing solidarity or speaking out again about the death, uh, about Floyd's death. So the police reaction is, is very mixed, and, and the general sentiment towards these protests is just as mixed, because I think it's a very good point that we can't conflate all the groups involved, but that makes it much harder for the public, who only gets viral fragments, uh, to form their opinion.
1: Dr. Sherin, do you see that as well?
2: I
3: think people are seeing this through the prism of where they were before this, and, uh, that's, that's often the case here. I think many people accept the fact that, uh, policing is a difficult job and sometimes, uh, they don't get it right. Having said that, the horrendous action that led to this whole situation is something that nobody can excuse and nobody does excuse. Uh, it, it it's, it's clear if I may interject perhaps, uh, you know, usually I try to be nonpartisan as an academic, but, uh, the, the, the president has tried to use this, uh, Situation to gin up support on the part of his base, and uh, this is something that he, he frequently does and is, is doing it yet again. Um, and I suppose people on the other side are, are trying to do the same thing. Uh, at the end of the day, I hope we don't get distracted by discussion of the protests from the main issue of what these protests are about.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a very good thing to remember. Dr. Flam, uh, again, it, it, do you think that the, the view of the response and this photo op, is that just breaking down on partisan lines like every, everything else? Because we've begun to see some criticism from conservatives, even Republicans. We saw religious leaders speaking out. Is there any drift like that in your view?
4: Uh, There is some drift, to use your phrase, but I would argue it's mostly marginal. Um, And uh, going back to a point that was made earlier, um, it's important to remember that in the United States, you know, people are getting their news from Fox News on the right, uh, MSNBC on the left. And so the way it's being framed is certainly uh, influencing uh, public perceptions of the photo op. And, uh, yeah, I fear we live in, in highly, uh, partisan and, and, polarized times and people are getting their news through those sources, through social media, and it's all filtered. Uh, I, I really don't, don't know if we'll be a, see significant deviations from, uh, what people already believed.
1: This morning the defense secretary Mark Esper said that he does not want active duty troops used on the streets of American cities. Was that something uh is 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 he going to get ousted because of that? That is at odds with what the president said or is that a sign that they're trying to back away from some of this, Bradley?
2: So it's, a, it's an interesting development because it's rare that you see someone contradict the president like that. But I think no one wants to see the, pol- the uh, National Guard or the military otherwise deployed. But there are some instances, and this may be one of them, where the president would have the legal authority under statutes passed by Congress to do that. And in, in the different cities where we have seen the police either fail to adequately control the looting and rioting or choose to stand down in some instances uh, then at some point that that may become a necessary action hopefully it doesn't come to that but the the fundamental most basic role of the government is protecting people and protecting their rights and their property and you in if you are going to have cities in america it's unreal for me as an american i can't uh, and i'm uh, on the younger side for sure but i cannot remember a time where you had people looting stores and burning down buildings with impunity. So that is something that the President is considering. Uh, and in his natural way, as he's prone to do, he is part he is making this a partisan issue. But I would point out so are his critics and, and whether it's CNN hosts or commentators uh, or Democratic commentators, they are also weaponizing this issue against the president. So it's not as if anybody's really, uh, I think, got the high road here. Um, and I will follow up on the point you made. I work in conservative media, and I have a lot of insight into this, from Ben Sass to multiple conservative outlets and Fox News commentators. People have called out the president using force uh, to clear a, for a photo op. There has been some serious backlash to that on the right, because that is not acceptable conduct from a commander in chief. Um,
1: Dr. Flemm, uh, again, uh, do you agree with that? Um...
4: Well, first of all, I can't speak to what President Trump might or might not do. Um, Certainly, we've seen plenty of officials who have tried to contradict him, and they've they've lost their positions uh, shortly thereafter. Um, I do think it would be wise to not involve the U.S. military directly in what's happening in America's cities. Um, The risk of escalation, uh, the risk of, quote-unquote, collateral damage is very high. Now, historically, the U.S. Army has shown greater fire discipline and unit cohesion, um, in these kinds of situations in the National Guard. Um, that was certainly the case in the 1960s, uh, but I think today the National Guard is better trained and better prepared, and is more diverse. Um, uh, you see more people of color in the National Guard, so they're better able to patrol and protect certain urban neighborhoods. Um, in general, I, I don't see uh, justification or need to uh, use the U.S. military, and the, the greater danger of politicizing the military during these uh, fraught times I think outweighs whatever benefits uh, might exist, and I think that's questionable uh, in terms of, of having soldiers patrolling city streets.
1: Yeah, Dr. Shuren, and he he seemed to uh, invoke a 200-year-old law to give himself the right to do that. It's
3: the Insurrection Act, yeah.
1: Yeah, so is, uh, do you have...
3: No, there, 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 there'd be legal challenges on that, and I, I'm not fully competent to discuss that. I I will say uh let us not put put too much confidence in any military group to deal with this quickly and effectively. Uh, my God, we don't want this to become Iraq. Uh so let's let's let cooler heads prevail and try and deal with this uh in in the uh the way that involves the least necessary, but the least necessary uh, use of military force. We don't want to turn the United States into a country where our own people are fighting our own military.
1: I am talking to Dr. Michael Flam, Dr. Ronald Shuren, and Bradley Palumbo, who is in Washington, D.C. And I have another question here. Uh, you know, the, the protests are taking place amid the pandemic when America's numbers are really, really not good. And we know that COVID-19 disproportionately affects uh, people of color, black people. They have much higher rates of disease and death. It's been pointed out, but this doesn't seem to be getting a lot of attention. Dr. Flam, how do you see that?
4: Um, I think that the pandemic is an accelerant uh, to what is happening. Um, Many people, poor people, uh, people of color, uh, do feel a sense of desperation. Um, I would argue that the economic crisis, however, is at least as important and accelerant. Um, you know, it's important to understand that here in the United States, we may be uh, on the verge of a wave of evictions. Um, uh, and so many poor people are are faced with a very real possibility that they could lose their homes. And of course, many have already um, lost their jobs. We have the highest rates of unemployment in the United States uh, since the Great Depression at the moment.
1: Dr. Shuren, uh, One of
3: the things that concerns a lot of us is that the COVID bailouts have been going disproportionately to, uh, to corporations and people of greater means. A very significant number of low-income people who are out of work are also not getting the funds to which they're entitled. Some of that is because of the regulations. Some of it is because of bureaucratic red tape but when you are living paycheck to paycheck that matters a very great deal and and when you know that others are getting help and you're not that breeds a great deal of resentment
1: right but what about is is there a worry among protesters that the result of this might be harming their own people
3: i'm sure there is and i think that um, those who are of cooler heads know that this kind the, uh, the the violent side of these protests has to stop. And uh, you heard um, many people say that in in various forums. Um, There's no dispute about that among people of of good intention and serious thought.
1: Bradley, uh, you've written that you think these protests will disproportionately hurt minority populations. I don't think you're referring to the health aspect, though.
2: So I wrote about the economics in an opinion column where I cited research showing that in the 1960s, the disproportionate impact of the buildings that were looted and vandalized and destroyed during similar riots ended up hurting uh, African-American communities and exacerbating the wealth gap. So it's important to note, I think, that the counterproductive nature of these riots not not of the protests but the riots economically speaking is one that two black police officers have been killed so far so there's a, something very counterproductive about a protest that turns into a riot over the unjust death of a black man that leads to two more unjust dead deaths of black men but also i think the economics must be considered that where these riots are happening and the looting is very urban Lower-income areas that have disproportionate minority communities. So they've seen uh, their buildings and homes and businesses vandalized or even burned. But you make a very good point about the health consequences. I'm no uh, I'm no doctor or infectious disease expert, but it's pretty obvious to anyone who's been following or covering the coronavirus that getting thousands of people jam-packed together in massive gatherings is going to make the pandemic worse. And it's interesting because it comes at a time when. Some states were starting to reopen and uh, and allow businesses or restaurants to reopen under with restrictions, and they were widely pilloried in the media as endangering people's lives. Yet too many voices, I think, have failed to articulate those same concerns about these protests, because if it's dangerous to open a restaurant or to allow people to go back to work, it's sure got to be dangerous to cram thousands of people, most without masks, into tight spaces, and... Um, so we'll have to see, but I expect a huge spike, and I think most people do.
1: Dr. Flam, I mean, is, is, what do you think?
4: Uh, well, uh, yes, it's, it's certainly accurate to say that uh, some of the protests uh, pose a greater health risk to those who are, are participating. I would simply uh, add two points. First of all, you know, the folks who are burning, looting, rioting, uh, they're not necessarily behaving rationally or logically. And so again, I think you very much need to separate that element from the pe- people who are peacefully demonstrating, expressing their grievances, and those who are simply sort of curious onlookers. Um, you cannot paint with a broad brush here. It's simply not fair. And then finally, to Brad's last point, um, I hope he's equally critical of all those folks in red states who uh, are also engaging in unsafe behavior, not wearing masks, gathering in uh, sports bars and other locations. I I look forward to equal focus on the health risks that that behavior poses.
2: Okay, but to respond to that, you're talking about a different scale. I mean, you're talking about show me the red state that has five thousand people crammed into a public square uh, over reopening or in a sports bar. I mean, that, we're talking. I agree. I mean, maybe we can talk about that. And there's a we've been in an ongoing conversation and debate about the costs and benefits. But I think it's not a I think it's not a fair comparison to suggest that small. Very small scale protests or in a few places or reopening businesses is in any way comparable to literal thousands of people in the streets together uh, pushing against each other, grabbing each other without mostly without masks without any modicum of social distancing, there's a scale question there that makes it, to me, not a fair comparison at all.
1: We, uh, I have to point out that we had a situation with 10,000 people in a park here that caused huge, yeah. huge controversy, and they were uh, just having a good time. Uh, Dr. Shearn again, uh, it seems like there is a lack of focus on the pandemic. Does, uh, does that break down on partisan lines? I mean, we know it does to a certain extent, but uh, in this yeah, case... Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It, it breaks down on on, uh, on various economic, educational, and partisan lines. And again, the people who are engaging in uh, the, the, the irrational protests are not going to be persuaded by data indicating their, their risk of uh, the virus is going to be increased or the risk of others. But they're looking for a kind of... Uh, of violent uh, overturn of of, uh, of of the system, so they're not going to care much about that. But for the rest, yes. And I did see. I looked in uh, online at my my former hometown, Princeton, and various other places where there were marchers and you saw just about everybody wearing a mask and uh, keeping some distance from each other. So where how people behave in this situation kind of mimics how people behave in other situations. Uh, if I can just add. One of the things that, that I hope we could agree upon is one way to diminish these dangers is to work on giving people greater access to legitimate means of protest, most notably voting, so stop limiting polling places, uh, and making it safe to vote by mail or other ways, and, uh, and other forms of, of action that that give people a feeling that they have a voice and don't have to take to the streets.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> that's that's a whole other uh, topic, uh, voting and what's going to happen with that. And uh, I'll be calling on you again. You're
0: listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.